0: join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. How are you doing today? We are so lucky to have Anna Kelly back with us for episode number two. How are you doing, Anna? I'm great today. How are you, Michael? I'm doing wonderful. This episode is going to be a little different than you know other ones we've done, kind of looking at our history and experience and trying to help people get on that path. What we're going to do now is step back and talk about all the people we've seen in our careers, the little traits that probably make us uncomfortable, right? Little, little warning signs we see in folks. Uh, and I thought we just bat this around like tennis. Uh, the, the first one I'll talk about is uh, some new investors get in front of me and I can almost see them vibrating, right? They're, they're, <laughs> they're shooting stars or whatever you want to call it, but they're just operating with so much excitement, so much energy, so much passion, so much And it's really scary for me because I know that doesn't last that, that kind of vibration simply is not something you can hold forever. I I don't know what it's like a caffeine high or whatever. There's, there is a crash. And unfortunately, most of the time it's sooner rather than later, right? You can only hold that extreme enthusiasm for days or maybe weeks. And if you're really one-off maybe a month. But as we talked about in episode one, this is a year or a decade plan. So I get really, really scared when I see people vibrating at that level.
1: Yeah. You know, everybody gets super excited about the thought of becoming wealthy really quickly. And that's what it is. It's like, oh, I can buy real estate and I can be wealthy very, very quickly. And you think, okay, it's not going to be that hard. I've watched tons of shows, you know, and now we've got 18 years of Flip This House shows and they're all making, you know, tons of money uh, on TV, right? With very yeah. little headache. They might find a, a beam that needs to be replaced or, oh, no. you know, termites in a small floor or something, but um, they don't talk about the floods and the fires and the contractors not showing up and people stealing appliances and, you know, not being able to get, get materials when you think that you need them and all the things that, that are bumps along the road. And so they see easy and they see money and they think, I can do this, right? Um, but they don't understand the challenges that are going to come, but that's going to make it harder for them than they think. Um, so they're not prepared to be resilient and to have grit and and for the hurdles that nobody really likes to talk about.
0: Yeah. What What's one trait that you see out there that gets you a little nervous when you're interacting with someone?
1: I think making emotional decisions Ooh, is, yeah. is really a big one. You know, I, I have to talk to my coaching students and you can be in extremely intelligent and be a, um, a rational person. But when you see the potential of a, of a property to bring you money or to bring you something that you're going to be excited about, like a beach house, right? You fall in love with the property and you think, oh, this is the one that's going to change my life, right? And then warning signs come up like, oh, maybe there's termite damage or maybe there's foundation issues or maybe the seller didn't disclose some things. And, you know, you still, you're so excited to do a deal. So you do the deal anyway, because you're making an emotional decision. So you've got to get really smart about never fall in love with a property. And it's all about the numbers. And it's all a very rational transaction. And if there's a couple warning signs, you can have resilience, you can get creative, you can jump over the hurdles and and being creative and having grit and not being afraid to take on challenges is important, but you've got to know when there's too many hurdles, that's like the warning signs don't buy this property. And then to be able to walk away and not do a bad deal based on an emotional decision.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really important one, especially in an environment where there's no listings and people are getting overbid and there's, you know, there's a, there was a house in Washington DC that had 76 cash offers in 48 hours. And I think emotion is a big one today. You're so right because, you know, I, I speak to investors all the time. They're like, you know, I, I wrote five offers, got two counters and, you know, I, I haven't got anything that that I'm, I'm concerned that that will eventually lead to loss of discipline and frankly, overpaying, right? You're, you're taking in a good deal and making it average or heaven forbid going good to bad, right? You create an alligator like the book says,
1: because they're so desperate to find that deal. And so they they do bad deals or they're giving up. I see people now, this just doesn't work. I'm going to have to sit on the sidelines for the next two years until real estate changes. (laughs) Well, when when property is flowing, lending may be tighter, right? And so you can make money in every market, but it takes a lot of hard work when deals are scarce and there's lots and lots of sharks swimming in that sea for a few fish. Mm-hmm. You know, you either give up or you, you, you eat the wrong fish, right? Exactly. You know, where, where do these analogies come from? It's um, fun. So you don't <laughs> want to do either. You want it. You want to stay consistent, yeah. know what actions yeah. to take, continue to take them and not emotionally quit or emotionally buy the wrong deal.
0: Yeah. Folks, what I want to tell my students out there again is I, A, I want to remind you, I wrote 250 offers last year and got nothing. Right. Out of, wow. out of the MLS, and that's just where you are. It's it's just a fact. I don't say it to brag. I, I just say it. Well, I wrote more, right? I mean, you just you you know your numbers. You write a good deal. If it doesn't happen, it does. It's okay. But I right. want you to celebrate writing a good offer. That's where it starts.
1: Right? Yes.
0: Uh, and if you wrote a good offer and you know your numbers and they don't take it, who cares? Write another one, right? You just you just keep moving forward. And I do think inventory is going to rise as we, you know, get past this event. Uh, so keep don't give up now. Oh my god, we got through 2020 Q1 and Q1's almost over, right? Today's the last day. It's crazy. So, yeah. uh, it's going to be good. The other one I wanted to talk about is the fear of missing out or what I used to call lemmings, right? There's that analogy of lemmings running to a cliff. I really experienced this in 06 when people were flipping contracts on unbuilt condos and and that it was it was so scary that that was All everybody talked about. The uh, the closest experience I had to this is back in 2000 when it was the dot-com crisis. Everybody was flipping stocks. It sometimes gets to that area where it's almost like this, I don't know if I've never been in a hurricane or tornado, but it's like this vortex gets tighter, tighter, and tighter, and just pulls more people in. I'm lucky when I see that, I'm like, I am going the other way because that's dangerous.
1: Yes, yes. It's Buffett has said, you know, when people are greedy, be fearful. And when people are fearful, be greedy, right? Yeah, when everybody is greedy, and everybody thinks, you know, they've got the next deal, you tend to get greedy, too. And then you're, you know, making stupid decisions. Um, so you've, you've got to be able to kind of see where are we in the market, what's happening, and, and keep discipline. It, we, it's kind of like we talked about in the first video today. You've got to know what your financial goals are, right? So what are your financial goals? Don't get so greedy that you buy the wrong property. That's not even going to help you move the needle towards your financial goals. So to the point about properties, you know, 70 offers, cash offers on properties going for way too much. If your financial goals are you need more income and you want financial freedom, you have to have a a cap where you cannot pay more than X. Or you're not going to be able to have enough cash flow coming in after your expenses to meet your debt service and have extra cash flow. What happens is people are competing against others who are buying properties for different reasons, right? So many investors right now, they're afraid of the deflation of the dollar. And so they just want to park their money in a safe place that they think is going to maintain its value. So you're competing in single family space against people who want to move up and buy a different house you're competing against property flippers, you're competing against turnkey rental investors, you're competing against people that just wanna park cash and hope that it's gonna be safe. But if your goals are financial freedom and income, you can't compete with those people right now that are looking for that particular property because they're going to outbid you every time or you're gonna buy something, make very little cash flow, and then you have a huge opportunity cost loss where you could have put that money by in another property by being a little more patient and only doing deals that pencil and move you towards your own financial goals. So that's really important right now. Yeah. Uh,
0: you have something else you see in folks when you interact with them that's the, kind of a, a warning for folks?
1: I think getting in too far over your head in the wrong niche, niche and in the wrong way, right? So A lot of people, I I play in the multifamily space primarily, right? And so I see a lot of people that are like multifamily is the only way to make money. And since I haven't ever done it, I'm just going to partner with people that I meet on Facebook and we're going to buy a property and none of us have any idea what we're doing, but it's all going to be okay, right? And so you see people jumping in and they're raising money for other people and they don't realize they're violating SEC rules and state broker dealer rules. And you can't just go raise money for other people's deals and be paid for it. Or they're taking a lot of risk, big properties, and they've never even owned a single rental property on their own. There's a danger in that. And so I think that it kind of comes with fear of missing out. It kind of Comes with shiny gold object syndrome, right? This is going to be the fastest way to do it. So, this is how I'm going to jump in. And people don't really take a step back and say, What are my financial goals? Right. Because that's number one. Mm -hmm. What are my skills? And where might I best marry my skills with the opportunities that are out there today and get in in a low risk way? We're taking on way too much risk and we're getting in in a way that's not necessarily best for us. Right. So, some people may be great contractors, but they don't know how to budget. They're living check to check. They should not be deciding, I'm gonna learn how to underwrite deals and I'm gonna go, you know, buy a big, big property and, and then then bring investors along when they haven't done it. Like buy something small, fail small, and find the area in real estate that you're really bent toward, you know, and, and partner with other people that have the opposite skill set. So if you're a contractor, you want to buy a rental property? Partner with someone who has a financial mind, who has you know a, a strong financial background, who can get loans right, um, and work together on your first couple of deals. Learn to fail on the small ones. Like I failed on my first flip; I lost money, but I learned wisdom that kept me from failing with bigger dollars at stake.
0: Yeah, the other one I have, and again, too many people. This is like step one of my courses too many investors aren't focused, right? It's, it's real estate is wonderful because it offers all these opportunities and all these different markets and all the, all these, all these, all these, but if you have a full-time job like we did, I mean, I don't know about you, but I only, ha- I could only find 20 minutes a day. And that was not enough to learn three different things and four different markets and all of that. I had to become late. I mean, I had to look at such a small subset of my market. And I did that for three freaking years. Um, It's just, it's just better, right? Save time, make positive progress. Don't get distracted. Don't mix data points because you just confuse yourself going 50 directions an inch at a time, right?
1: A hundred percent. That's what I call squirrel syndrome or (laughs) shiny gold object syndrome. Yeah. Because you think, because again, it comes back to not really knowing what your financial goals are. You just think I I need to make more money and I'm going to do it in real estate. Mm -hmm. You meet one guy that's like self-storage is the only way to go. You meet the next guy that's flipping properties is the only way to go. And you meet the next guy that's small singles or small multis or large multis or mobile home parks. Everybody has their niche and they, they want to tell everybody that it's the fastest way and the only way. And so then you kind of go, okay, let me try this and try this and try this real estate isn't something you can just try, go out and make a few contacts and then, oh, well, that didn't work. So let's go change gears. Like pick a a lane based on your financial goals and what you're trying to achieve. And then once you pick that lane, commit to it for a year, don't look at anything else for a year. Every single day, say, what is it going to take for me to buy that? So let's talk about, I want to buy my first single family rental for a year. Let's learn how to evaluate single family rentals and make sure they're going to meet the cash flow requirements that I want. And then let's spend some time finding two, no more than three markets. And then every day look for properties in that market, learn what they sell for, learn what they rent for mm-hmm. and just make offers. Just like you said, over and over and over again, yeah. when you get an offer accepted, then you can spend time learning about, okay, how do I manage them? Who do I give them to? But take, take them in bite sized chunks yeah. in the lifestyle of finding that deal. And every single day take action to the next step mm-hmm. before you move on to something else. And if you don't do that, you will give up on every niche way too fast. You'll oh, yeah. never accomplish anything and you'll give up and say, real estate doesn't work.
0: Yeah. And you'll be confused and you will have just utterly wasted your time. You should have just gone out for a walk with your family or played in the park. I mean, it's just, time is the only thing you can't get back. Money can be replaced. So
1: right, so crazy,
0: right, crazy, crazy. Uh, any closing thoughts on this? This has been a fun conversation.
1: I think, you know, the biggest thing is, is it all comes back to know what you want Be realistic that it takes time and be committed to take the time to learn, you know, something new, take daily actions, one rental at a time. And then once you've accomplished the one thing, then move on and think about the next.
0: Yeah. Just focus in daily execution, folks. Again, it only takes 20 minutes a day. When you get good, it's 10 minutes a day. So yeah, this is a lot of fun. I look forward to episode number three. That's going to be a good one.